Hello and welcome to Cruise Club. We've got the Need the Need to Podcast. This is episode 42, Mission Impossible Fallout from 2018. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us tonight, we have someone who he was supposed to be on our Rogue Nation episode, and then scheduling got in the way. But I think it all worked out the way it was supposed to be, because this gave him the opportunity to watch all six Mission Impossible movies for the first time. We have with us tonight, past guest of the show, Mr. Zach Dazon. Hello, Zach. Hello. Thank you for watching. We gave you two and a half hours of homework, and you took on like 13 hours of homework on your own. <laughs> I did. Which is important, because this is really the first kind of... It's, it's basically the first Mission Impossible movie that's like a direct sequel. Characters continue, but this is the first one where it's like, oh, you should probably have seen past movies before you watch this one. At least Rogue Nation. I feel like, for the most part, it was mostly standard alone there's some stuff with the with the wife of course luther but like you could kind of figure it out without having seen the others but i'd say rogue nation probably should have seen yeah it's really cool we'll get into it but i love how this ties them all back together i feel to the beginning of the franchise for me uh, yeah i think you're right joe it's more of a sequel than i was remembering it to be but yeah. i loved it well let me do the plot summary but first before you do the plot summary i got something to play get ready for an adventure that was mike's <laughs> uh, audio drop from a couple episodes ago i don't remember when that was but I'm going to play it every episode as long as I remember. Gonna, let's hear it one I more time. It. Get ready for an adventure. Cool. Oh, All man. right. Cool. <laughs> it's like my own, uh, you know, mix mixing tape soundboard, but it's just one drop. Get ready for an adventure. I smell. I smell I, a I'm t-shirt. triple ready right now. Oh, All right. Man. So here we go. So here's what Mission Impossible Fallout is about. And so okay, I told Mike this last night, but Zach, this is now the fourth time I've seen this movie. I was in the mood to watch this last night because I'm always in the mood to watch this movie, but I was not in the mood to watch this movie for the podcast, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't want to have to, like, watch and take notes and write down the plot and everything. So this is, I'm going to be very clear, this is the wiki plot summary that I took and copied and then rewrote (laughs) into my own language. So it's it's probably longer, but that's just because I can't do anything shorter. But I obviously can talk about this movie because I love this movie. I was saying to Mike, this is like a reward for, I mean, not that this was like a challenge, but like... The 42nd and final Cruise movie so far. I'm going to just say right now, it's my favorite Tom Cruise movie. It wow. is one of the best action movies of all time, I think. Like, every, I can't, I will not be able to say, stop saying enough good things about this movie. But <laughs> I think uh, Victory Lap was. That, it's fabulous, it. but I still think Edge of Tomorrow is better. Well, that's in my that's in there. But anyway, get ready for an <laughs> oh, adventure. Geez. You're overdoing it already. <laughs> so Tom Cruise once again plays Ethan Hunt, haunted by the life he's led so far, the pain he's caused Julia, and the terror brought on by Solomon Lane, who was captured in Rogue Nation. At the end of Rogue Nation, the remaining members of the Syndicate have reformed into what are now known as the Apostles. Ethan, Benji, and Luther are sent to buy three stolen plutonium cores. Things break bad, though, and the Apostles make off with the cores. We then see Wolf Blitzer announce on CNN that Jerusalem, Rome, and Mecca have all fallen victim to nuclear bombs. The man who created the bombs, Nils Dilbrook, happily watches from his hospital bed. The team gets a decryption key from him and reveals this was all a hoax. Benji was Wolf Blitzer in a mask. Benji finally gets to wear a mask. The CIA director, played by Angela Bassett, assigns an operative Walker, played by Henry Cavill, a.k.a. Superman, even though I think like he's Walker. like He's more Walker than Superman, but uh, <laughs> to help Ethan attain the plutonium. They halo jump out of a plane, which we'll talk about later. There's an incredible fight in the bathroom that we'll also talk about later. Things go awry again. Ilsa Faust shows up back from Rogue Nation to both help and hurt things. She kills who they're looking for. Ethan then needs to impersonate John Lark in a meeting with an arms dealer known as the White Widow, played by Vanessa Kirby, a.k.a. Hattie Shaw, 
from Hobbs and Shaw. To get the plutonium back, the team must extract Solomon Lane from an armored convoy. Ethan once again has to fight against his supposed allies as the White Widow's team intends to kill all the cops, and Ilsa tries once again to kill Lane. We then return to a safe house where Benji uses yet another mask to reveal to the team that Superman is actually the mastermind behind the global terrorist attacks that he's most likely John Lark. We knew that as the viewer, but now the team knows it as well. The CIA then sends in the team to capture everyone, but Superman had called the Apostles, who kill a whole bunch of people, including Alec Baldwin, briefly back from Rogue Nation. Tom Cruise then literally runs across London to catch up with Superman, only to see him get away, flying halfway around the world to a glacier near India, Pakistan, and China, to continue with his plan. The team arrives in Kashmir and finds Ethan's ex-wife, Julia, played by Michelle Monaghan, back from Ghost Protocol, I think, doing smallpox relief work with her new husband, Wes Bentley, who people likely best know as an influential <laughs> DJ in the Zac Efron movie, We Are Your Friends. <laughs> are we ever going to be better than this? We're never going to be better than this. The team realizes that this has all been a setup to get all the people that Ethan cares about in the same place as he's forced to watch the world end and everyone he loves die. As the team battles Lane and tries to disarm the two nuclear bombs, Ethan and chases Superman in a pair of helicopters to secure the detonator. With one second left, the bombs are disarmed. In the end, everyone is relieved. Ilsa is exonerated, and Hattie Shaw is hopefully coming back. And I think they've announced that she's coming back for 7 and 8, which, oh, by the way, two more Mission Impossible movies coming at us very soon. Almost, not, Holy shit. Not very soon, but they have announced 7 and 8. After he did Rogue Nation, Christopher McQuarrie, the writer, the director, is like, I can't. Why would I do another one? I can't top myself. They're like, all right, we'll try Fallout. And then this is Fallout. And this is amazing. And then <laughs> he's like, I'm, I, I'm done. Like, we're done. Like, we're done. We can't. And then he's like, all right, fine, seven and eight. So they're doing two more. It's going to be four with Macquarie, four more, eight in total with Cruz and the gang. So, man, oh, man, Mission Impossible to Fallout. He's just going to keep doing this until man. Tom Cruise actually dies. Well, you know, you could go like, on to be the director. There's and, trivia know. in here that says that, like, everybody was watching him do the stunts in this movie. And like Simon Pegg was like, it's terrifying to watch because you think that you like you might like he might die at any point. Like you're watching him do these crazy things. Get ready for an adventure. <laughs> I'm gonna have to put a I'm gonna have to put a cease and desist on. Oh my god! Did like Henry Cavill do any of his own stunts? Like yes. in that Halo drop and everything. So he did. So okay. So let me just do the the trivia about the Halo jump because the Halo jump is the most insane thing I think I've ever seen in a movie. So Henry Cavill actually talked about how when he was getting in shape for the Justice League movies, where I mentioned he played Superman. It's a lot of it is like glamour muscles and show muscles. It's like you need to look good without a shirt on. You need to like, you know, look good in the costume, right? But he realized that for this, like you actually need to be in good shape. Like you can't just be like show muscles. You need to actually because you're doing stunts, mm-hmm. right? So Cruz trained for an entire year to perform the Halo stunt. Halo standing for high altitude low opening. Um the Halo sequence which is a distance of 7 kilometers, 25,000 feet, traveling speed of 265 to 320 kilometers per hour, was the last sequence filmed during production, but it was the first stunt designed required a full year of planning. Crewed only a limited time window of three minutes a day during sunset to film a jump. Because of the strict air aviation rules in France, it could only be shot in the Emirates. It took Cruise, Cavill, and the skydiving camera operator Craig O'Brien who was instructed to keep a distance of three feet from Cruz while filming, and the rest, a total of 106 jumps wow. to get three possible takes. Oh However, God. to rehearse the sequence, the crew built a custom oxygen helmet with RAF assistance that can be lit up to see a face, and then also built one of the world's largest wind tunnels for practice. Practice didn't end there. Cruz and the other people involved did five skydives a day, one in the morning, three in the afternoon, and one at dusk. Some of the other cast members turned up to visit with Simon Pegg saying he and his co-stars thought multiple times 
Cruz was seriously about to die. Quote, it's a daily stress going to work with him because you don't know if you're going to see him tomorrow. And then to film the jump, Craig O'Brien used a red weapon camera with an IMAX lens that never had been used before in freefall that was strapped to his helmet. He had to focus the 20-pound camera without looking through the viewfinder. A special device was created that would automatically adjust the focus by calculating the distance traveled as O'Brien moved away from the subject. Rescuing another person in freefall while skydiving is very difficult. I don't doubt that all of this is very difficult. But somebody said that, quote, it takes accelerated freefall instructors over a thousand jumps to get it right. 70% of the people who try at the instructor level fail. Tom had just a hundred jumps to perfect this. He did it. Because you see in the movie that he goes over to Henry Cavill and reattaches the oxygen tank, which like, keep yeah. in mind, the guy's an actor. He's an yeah. actor. He's not a, a skydiver. He's an actor, first and foremost, and also doing the craziest things I've ever seen in a movie. It's absolutely impressive. I, I do want to say that at this point, he's probably put as many hours in as a stuntman as many of the top stuntmen in oh, Hollywood, probably. though. He is a stuntman, essentially. He just also happens to be an actor. He did it backwards, right? Most stuntmen, I feel, become actors or something, and then this was like the reverse and stuff. But, I mean... Not to take anything away. It's unbelievable. I said to Mike, I think it was in the uh, Rogue Nation episode, Zach, but he did all of the stunts, like the car driving stunts in that movie, because they didn't have a better stunt driver. And so they're like, he has to do it. That's the other thing, too, is like, you know, you said he's an actor, so he has to perform a role on top of all this, right? So it's not just like, I guess, you know, the average stunt guy well, isn't the lead of the movie necessarily, right? He's he's there to do the stunt. But Tom Cruise, you know, when he's on that motorcycle with no helmet on, he's emoting too, right? Like he's got to have all these things yeah. going through his mind and you have to believe it as well. And I do, which is the craziest part. Like he's doing that halo drop. There's, you know, actual, like something's actually going on. It's not just like watching a YouTube video of a bunch of guys jumping out of an airplane. Like there's a story involved and it's actually working on that level. But he's not saying, you know, you complete me. He, he's he's being intense. It's not the hardest acting job. No, yeah. But, okay. But, I dare you to do literally anything you see in this movie. <laughs> at like one fifth what he's doing and say that it's not hard. I will. I know it's fucking difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. Because like even, even, <laughs> Even the amazing movie, I think it's D13, that parkour film, the French one that was remade with Paul Walker. And Rick Mansions, yeah. Even that movie, you know, for how, as much as I love it, like, those guys aren't actors, and it kind of shows through, right? Yeah. It feels more like a real, or like a, a completely amazing thing. I don't want to deny them anything. But this, you know, when Tom Cruise is doing a stunt, like, it's it doesn't show. It's more like, holy shit, like, this character is insane. The difference comes when you see a thing like this in almost any other movie. You're like, oh, like, that's a stunt guy, right? Because there's, like, cuts, and there's, like, hiding, and there's effects, and there's whatever. Here, you're able to, like, you believe it's re- – I mean, it is real, right? But, like, you believe it's real because you're not seeing crafty camera work covering up cuts or covering up doubles or bodies or whatever. Like, the guy – weirdly, the guy who they fight in the bathroom – presumably, you know, Lark Decoy, right? That yeah. guy was the stunt double for Emily Blunt on Edge of Tomorrow. So, like, he's wow. worked with Tom Cruise before. Like, he's a guy who's, like, this wushu, like, he's like he's this martial arts expert, like, this grand champion, and they're not cutting in that thing because, like, it's guys who can hold their own, and that's why movies like The Raid and Dread and Old Boy and stuff are, like, awesome because you, ha- you cast people who can do cool shit on camera and you're like oh right we don't need the three cuts a second to, like hide mm-hmm. the fact that like we're not hitting each other like no this is a ballet that they've choreographed and it's beautiful it's exquisite yeah i mean in a film with some absolutely show-stopping stunts that bathroom fight was one of my high points 
Oh my god, that's like one of like the best fights I think like at all in film history right now. It's like top five for me. But a really quick fun fact about that bathroom scene is like, and Joey, you probably have this fact, but I, I apologize for jumping all around. But oh no, you're like, fine. They built that entire set out of like a rubber substance so that they could actually throw people like onto the floor and into those latrines and into the door so like yeah (laughs) i think corridor crew did it in one of their videos where it shows like how they uh like sort of mock up the actual set so that the performers can take better bumps when they hit stuff so it's because it's actually real and what i love about that is that when they assign when angela bassett's like hey here's superman he's gonna be on your team they're like we don't need him she's like you're going to take him because I don't trust any of you. They're like, all right. They talk about how like Ethan is the scalpel. Henry Cavill is the hammer, right? It's like the scalpel and the hammer. Like one goes in surgically. Like he's like explaining how they're going to do this, right? He's like, okay, we're going to bump Mm -hmm. him. We're going to inject him. We're going to bring him back. We're going to scan his face. We're going to knock him out. We're going to tie him up. We're going to do this. We're going to bring him out of the building. And then I'm going to impersonate him. I'm going to go talk to to the white widow. When they get to the bathroom, Henry Cavill just takes the laptop and just whack and just hits him in the head. And it's like, that's like, that's exactly the scalpel and the hammer. Like it's tell don't show kind of, or like, foreshadowing the show don't tell later and it's perfect it's like this guy does it like this and this guy does it like this and then like five minutes later after the halo jump which is like don't forget about the halo jump guys like they then show exactly what that means that's like oh yeah we saw we knew this was coming and yet it's still amazing yeah i think they did a they do a great job of like sticking to actual characters and developing them in this series and like uh, you know i think this is the first time it being like a true sequel we get to see some growth some more growth than usual i'd say because i feel like they're never really sure if they were coming back 100 percent until after the last two and so they were like well we can't like have them change too much because the audience might not remember who they were and but now we're like on the we're full blast and like people are developing and all this stuff and so like when they you know mention henry cavill as like the hammer you know exactly like he's the opposite of ethan because we know now by now what that means about ethan he's like so tactical and surgical and like precise and all this shit when it hits the fan he can improvise and stuff but like yeah to see just Henry Cavill looks like a hammer, right? Like he's oh, just yeah. a brick shit house in this movie, and like I love it. And uh, yeah, I love his inclusion. I love his reveal. I love how that one scene when he's talking to Angela Bassett, trying to set up Ethan, but he's actually telling her who he is. With you know, like he's like saying all these things about Ethan's John Lark, but he's actually like I am John Lark. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great use well because of, that's exactly like, who he is, right? He's the kind yep. of guy who like can't get away with the crime. He wants people to know, like he's the serial killer who returns to the scene. Like, hey guys, you guys catch the guy yet? Because he's like, hey, this guy would huh. probably do this. And then like later when he reveals to the team, he's like, when I wrote those words, it's like you don't have to be singing this, but like he can't not get in his own way. Like he's yeah, he's as good of a fighter as Ethan. He's mastermind of this entire plan that all this different stuff. And the only thing that really holds him up is that Solomon Lane wants revenge on Cruz, essentially, right? Like, that's one of his big sticking points, but everything else, he has proven that he can obliterate the world the more suffering, the greater the peace, right? But he just can't not brag. He can't not show off, and that could becomes his downfall and uh yeah i mean i know intellectually that tom cruise is a smaller man but i never quite felt it until he was in the room with henry cavill i was like holy shit well yet another movie in a row mike to that point zach is that he gets his ass beat like in the bathroom like it's not like he looks good doing it like they have to kind of get saved by ilsa sort of even though she kind of ruins the day like cruise movie after movie now zach gets his ass 
beat. Like he's eventually going to win, and he saves the day. Spoiler, saves the day again here. He he's willing to take a punch and look ugly on camera because it it serves the story. Like the fact that this guy John Lark is such a good fighter just makes that entire scene better. And also, how we've been talking about that scene for five minutes, and no, none of us have mentioned Henry Cavill reloading his arms, which he improvised on set. <laughs> I was just going to get to that. <laughs> One of like again, like this movie just iconic right out the door with its imagery and some of the lines in this and all, all just such a great package reloading his arms where i missed that he's walking toward like Cruz and lark are fighting and he comes over and he kind of like imagine a guy like rolling up his sleeves but not touching his sleeves he just kind of like throws oh. his right arm like if you google right now henry cavill reloading his arms it'll definitely come up it's just him like preparing for the battle he's just like cocking his arms like they're guns and he's about to sh- like shoot someone in the face with his fists it's <laughs> so weird and bizarre and perfect it's so funny that bathroom fight man like to your point about Cruz getting the shit kicked out of him like when they're fighting faux lark which i wrote down in my notes faux lark mm-hmm. uh, it's forget about like henry cavill being the guy in the room to beat the shit out of it. like this guy takes a he's like the energizer bunny right like he gets the he gets knocked out he gets the crap kicked out of him those dudes those dudes sort of interrupt the face scan which uh, i thought of you zach when the face scan machine got busted <laughs> i must have liked that little moment they figured out how to use it eventually but in the episode I, i'm sorry i just quick i hated mission impossible 2 because they did not know how to savvily use the masks too many too many fake face masks too many uh, fake face it was too one. easy there was no expense to it there's no cost but it's so funny when like that fight resumes and faux lark is like at his full strength again and Cruz and cavill are both like you know not right they've been through <laughs> like the, the the ringer but this guy it just like keeps coming it takes a bullet to the head to stop this guy so like it's just yeah they were definitely gonna you know have a bad day <laughs> what, what i love about the way this franchise has grown and it's not a direct comparison but it's similar is that just how like in the avengers everybody else becomes like all the villains become more powerful because they're like oh we've raised the game right like in spider-man michael keaton's character like they have the weapons that stark industries have made right and they're able to make these like in, in incredible insane you know villain costumes or whatever and like everybody thanos and like everybody keeps getting bigger and more powerful because of the like directly because of what the good guys are doing and it feels like it's not exactly the same thing here but as the stakes keep getting bigger and bigger ethan's kind of it feels in a way almost directly leading toward other people around the world becoming harder to kill and harder to stop. And he just looks so tired. This almost an entire movie in a lot of movies, like in rogue nation too. Like it just seems like I, 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 I almost can't hand, I can't deal. I can't do this again. And I think that's a beautiful thing that this franchise has evolved. Just the ever escalating nature of like literally the fallout of his actions, right? Like it's not only the nuclear mm-hmm. fallout, it's like everything that he's done up to this point, saving the world, these relationships he's had, the relationships he's lost, the people he's tried to protect everything's coming to a head and like i i don't know i don't know that he's gonna make it through all eight like you know i think he could die there's more of these movies he's gonna be like (laughs) well it's crazy because i know he lives through this one but i'm still like i don't know if he's gonna make it like it's funny joey like people have to save the world every day in movies right Mm -hmm. and you see it a million times and it's great you know it's fun you know and it gets but it gets to a point where it's like not what the movie needs to be about but i never once questioned when now where we are in mission impossible what like how serious the global threat has become and what is at stake and that this is sort of like the end of the world kind of stakes like this is the chess match you know what i'm saying like good and evil on the line and and i don't know how they do it 
but I feel it so much like throughout this movie that it's the ticking clock. It's the McGuffin. It's whatever it needs to be for me to uh, stay engaged and sort of like be on edge about like, Oh shit, I hope they, I hope they can do this. Like, you know, yeah. it just, it's what kind of keeps me going. And I, I think that's just a combination of great writing, great directing and great acting and all the money thrown at this kind of production. And, and it's, it's great to see that it's not gone to waste that they'd actually, here's a group of people that have actually been able to like flourish under those conditions instead of waste under those conditions and it mm. elevate the medium. And I never thought a blockbuster like in our day and age would sort of be able to do something like that and be taken that seriously. So. Mike, I have a question for you as our resident franchise expert. And I know this is, it may be blasphemous given my other podcast, but has there ever been a franchise where the sixth movie is the best in the franchise, or hmm. let alone just the sixth is this good. I mean, some people might argue one of the Star Wars movies, but that's like all that really comes to mind, and I can't even, you know, narrow that down right now. But no, I would have, you know, said Fast and Furious franchise. Like so. six is one of the probably two or three best Fast and Furious. Like it's close, but like, yeah, God, like it, it, these keep getting better. And here's the thing about this and Fast saga, which I think they share a common bond in that they didn't necessarily start out to be this many movies, right? right? Like Mission Impossible, they probably were like, well, we're definitely going to do two. Hopefully this will be a trilogy. Fast and Furious, that thing morphed and mutated so much along the way to like what it's become. But like, I think that's why they've endured is because this isn't, this wasn't exactly planned out this way. It caught a groove, rode in it for a while and then found its new direction. And now they're like off into outer space. And it's literally, they're probably, they're in a race to film in outer space, right? These two franchises, it's crazy. I don't know which one's going to get there first. We know that Cruise is going to get there with his International Space Station movie, but man, like I guess if the Halo jump is the closest we've come, well, I mean, they jump out of cars, they jump out of plane cars out of a plane in seven They're kind of evenly matched right now I'd yeah say. <laughs> in terms of pure altitude yes yes <laughs> i guess the other gigantic action scene that we have well there's two, i guess two more like watching this movie knowing what's coming because this movie is long like I, I will not it's not i can't sugar like it's two and a half hours long it, it's not a short movie but like it's perfect like i think it's perfect but knowing what's coming it's like okay like i'm okay i'm two hours in but oh right the whole helicopter thing like that whole that doesn't happen oh my like, god when like everything when you when you oh, know what's coming though. cruz didn't learn to fly a helicopter did he oh you know he's like he's a helicopter pilot he's learned yeah. for, he's, he's known well, for a while mostly him yeah not only Jesus. is he like flying that helicopter but he's hanging off of it yeah. on that like i know i saw that thing. one I mean, yeah, yeah but he's flying mm-hmm. yeah, he's flying he also flew all the planes that american made no everything i think he did a hundred percent of his stunts in this movie that includes all the piloting that includes all the motorcycle work that includes all the falls that includes all the climbs he's doing wow. everything in this movie also when you get to the safe house like i remember that alec baldwin got killed but i was like oh we're about to see ethan run a mile and a half like it literally a yeah. mile and a half on camera right like it's in it and knowing what's coming sprint. builds that even sprint yes sorry sprint a mile and a half and knowing what's coming makes it even more exciting all fueled by like one of my favorite scores in a movie in a long time. Like it is so goddamn good. Like just the, the I don't know. I don't know what if it's drums. I don't know what it is. But like Bongos, the, I think the percussion <laughs> is just propelling you through this movie, and it's it's it, it's incredible. Oh yeah, I mean I've I've always loved the way that they've been able to sort of expand and create new sort of like ways of expressing that Mission Impossible theme and taking certain just certain notes or like with the drums and the bongos and all of that kind of stuff. Like that's a very predominant part of the original theme and you know some people might kind of think that's 
a little cheesy, but no, it fits if that's all you're hearing in a chase sequence or something. Like it gets your heart popping. Yeah, I mean, just lots of great stings and stabs during this whole movie with the music and everything. But Drew's running here, I think, blows part three out of the water. But that's sort of what I was holding this sequence up to in my mind watching it again um because i remember that just that one shot in three that jj has of him just like running through the market that just seems to go on for like two minutes or something and then this just puts that to shame and i think that's mm. you know it's great because it's like so character driven like ethan hunt you know <laughs> he's gotta run like he's just gotta if he has to like he'll jump in a car to a motorcycle to running and then get into a helicopter and then maybe a boat after that. It doesn't, you know, it'll just keep going. There's that moment in the last ish scene uh, where they get out of the Jeep, where he gets out of the Jeep and you know, he's about to get into the helicopter. It's just like, he seems so much more dangerous, not in a vehicle. <laughs> he, when he got out of the, out of the Jeep, I was like, Holy shit, it's about to go down. <laughs> so let's talk about the running scenes. I want to talk about the running yeah. scene. I want to talk about how once again, in one of these movies, he's doing, doing something insane like it's not in terms of what he does in this movie running across london is not the most insane thing he does i mean watching him do it is still breathtaking but it's not like climbing up the thing on the helicopter it's not like halo jumping but when we watched in ghost protocol when he was climbing up the burj khalifa and they have jeremy renner as brant in the room giving him shit like here benji like constantly messing up while giving him directions is like it's you're watching one of the great action scenes in one of the great action movies and yet it's still peppered in with humor in a way that's amazing and like knowing benji and knowing simon Pegg and having him be so entrenched in this world since the third one i think like mm -hmm. he's just such a part and he's like, like you know what to expect and you know that he's great at his job you know that he's a field agent now that he's gotten better as the series has gone on but just the fact that he's like holding the thing like the screen lock wasn't on he's like why are you running yeah. in circles he's like oh sorry i had in 2d and like all the while ethan is just sprinting across the city like it's amazing it's so good and also that's the scene that's the, that's the sequence where Tom Cruise broke his ankle and they had to shut down production for seven weeks so he could heal his ankle. But like when that was what got him and landed. Yeah, because he jumped out the window and landed and he just kept running. And they're like, whoa, 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 we, we got to stop, man. Like it's mm. you broke your ankle. You know, it's crazy how sort of few and far between the, the comedic sort of levity is in this one. I was surprised. But when it comes, it's so organic because that's benji like i just kind of like he yes yeah, sure he's a super genius but like he's also kind of like a flake at times right like he can open the door but he opens the cargo door not the bailout door or whatever on the airplane so like it just it fits his character so perfectly and it's so funny and i don't think that there's that many other comic relief moments there's there's one moment and it's punctuated perfectly because like right when they think they've caught john larker they've revealed superman to be who he is and everyone's sort of congratulating themselves and and they're like alec baldwin you did great welcome to the team and he's like not bad right not bad hey hey and like i'm like oh this is cool like it's getting so light and then nope alec baldwin's gonna get stabbed to death it's yeah like, no time to joke around like world at stakes you know what i'm saying like we have to save the world we don't have time for this right now we'll celebrate later i think that's what this does better than and again don't mean to be blasphemous better than the fast and the furious even though like those are yeah. meant to be more popcorny than this like this is still like you're supposed to watch this on the big screen and enjoy it but this is a much darker, more serious tone. The humor in here works so well, as opposed to like in Fate of the Furious, where Roman is just like hitting on people. It's like, Rome, like you're you're trying to save, you're literally saving the world right now. Like, let's keep it in your pants. Like it doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like yeah. that's it's too big of a group, maybe. Like we've talked about a lot on the podcast about mm -hmm. how there's too many people in that. 
Here you have the group, like it keeps getting bigger. They're not losing anyone. You know, they don't have Brant here because Jeremy Renner was doing the MCU stuff. Apparently, we learned in the Rogue Nation episode, Mike, I think via trivia, that he has another movie or two on his deal here. They yeah. wanted to bring him back for a cameo and kill him off in the opening sequence, but he didn't want to, Jeremy Renner, the actor, didn't want to fly and like spend three days shooting a thing just for him to get blown up. So I'm thinking now for seven, now that Alec Baldwin's gone, he could come back as director. Would, or, you know, as would director, be great. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, there's several places in this movie I think he would have worked perfectly. And I would like to actually see them go even further back and bring like Lawrence Fishburne back as director, but definitely uh, bring Jeremy Renner back for the next conclusion of this and, and everything, because that's just, that's, for me, that's the only thing about this movie that I don't like is that he's not here. Like, I've grown so yep. accustomed to him, and I think I've been vocal about how I think that's, like, my favorite Jeremy Renner performance. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, you never see him. Except for those life. commercials, right? Except for when he's oh, doing his yeah, music in the commercials. Yeah, and selling his truck and his yeah. music. Uh-huh. Obviously. I mean, come on. That's one of the things I've been really enjoying about this franchise, watching through it. For a lot of the time, especially as it's grown and become more gritty, uh, I've seen it as kind of just, like, an alternate version of James Bond. However, the main thing that's that's really uh, kept it being different is the survival rate of his companions is actually quite high compared to James Bond's, at least. Yeah, I remember when Felix Slater like lost his arm to a shark. I think like some mafia guys fed him to a shark one time in one of the in one of the James. But I think that was in a Timothy Dalton one. The second Bond always had like the arms dealers that would get knocked off and stuff like that, or like you know Bond girls would drop like flies and things. Yeah. And I think I also said that to Joey. What's too is like it's like if Bond had a team. If yeah. You know, if, if that was like sort of the the code and Bond has Q, like, but like yeah, like anybody who joins Bond in the field ultimately dies. Ethan has plenty of people who are in the field with him, and they always survive, which is great. Is this Zach? Now that you watched all six in the last couple of days or whatever, is this your favorite, or do you like another one in this franchise more? Oh, uh, of the of the Mission Impossible's, yes, this is absolutely my favorite. Do you have a favorite character? I guess is it Ethan or is it someone else? Is there someone here that you really like, either part of the team or maybe a villain? I mean, I'm always a big Simon Pegg fan, so uh, I, I guess Benji's you know up there for sure. But yeah, uh, Henry Cavill actually grew on me quite a bit. I thought he was really fabulously uh, characterized. He also has a brutal death when he gets the uh hook oh, to the hook. head and he falls off he yeah. also gets two-faced like he yeah. you know, right? he like oh, gets his melted yeah so that, that was pretty cool also again shouting out too fast too forever like i can't not talk about that i, I feel like when we're talking about this franchise i can't not talk about that because there's very few franchises that are this deep that are still this good it's like the mcu and bond but bond kind of resets and Fast and Furious, and this. Like, there's not, you know what I mean? It's like a very few and far between. Even in the age of franchises, there's not that many that are this consistently good. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I'm like this huge Godzilla fan, and like every year or two, I try to watch like all almost like 40 movies at this point. There's like 35 (laughs) or something like that. But even they have like, it's like at this point, there's every version of him imaginable. And it's great because like, it's a testament to like, to the character, to how like, well-formed he was right out of the gate it's like oh there's these his ultimate form but like look at all the other ways we can portray him and adapt him to the medium and everything like that and you know i mean it's it's just what happens over time and stuff like at this point they have to keep rebooting godzilla like i mean they did it every 10 years anyway in japan i don't think they're ever going to go back to square one with this franchise or with the fast franchise i think when they're done we'll get like spin-offs like they're already prepping us for with the fast averse and stuff but here i think if they did mission impossible like it was very smart of them after three to start going with those subtitles and 
stuff because they could just keep it going like that. Like it doesn't have to keep starring Tom Cruise. It's like this this thing that can just keep adding to new characters come and go and right. things. You know, it's so much easier. I feel like than most other franchises to do that kind of thing, the replacement game. And like it's a testament to you know what Zach was saying that how well Henry Cavill fits in here, how well Vanessa Kirby fits in here, how well right, Ilsa Faust great. comes back. Right, like everybody oh, just fits. And when Michelle Monaghan comes back after missing a couple movies, it's just like oh, they yeah. all belong. They all She's feel like great. they're part of the world. The kind of like wife character who gets in trouble because of the superheroes, you know, liabilities is often oh, yeah. kind of a, a dead weight character. But I find Julia to be uh, actually quite, uh, quite good. I feel like even at, uh, by part three, when she gets like kidnapped at the end, she still like saves Ethan's oh, yeah. life, right? So like they even tried to do the best they could with her from the start, even though that she was still like the princess in the castle. But at least she never got shoved into a fridge, right? And this one, she's <laughs> helping to disarm a bomb with Luther. You know, she's a like, fast oh, learner. I like she's that. She's part about of the her. team, as far as I'm concerned. And in yeah. terms of the fridging, it's like West Bentley gets fridged, kind of, right? But just like, no, yeah. you're you're yeah. just a doctor. Like, sorry, sorry, you're just a doctor. Like, you can't help here. Like, I was <laughs> married to the savior of Earth. Like, I can help Luther disarm this bomb. It's no big deal. But like, you go go do your thing. He's got this look on his face, like that's I gotta live up to Ethan now. Holy oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> the guy she told you not to worry about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she also loved the White Widow. I thought she was a really interesting. Oh, character. she's amazing. Okay, so this is actually only the second time I've seen this movie in its entirety. The last time was in theaters. I've sort of held on and savored that like screening because it was like almost perfect. I didn't catch it until the internet afterwards that she's Max's daughter max from the first yes who ordered the knock list and not only that she's got a brother and they are brokers like i love that shit like i totally sort of not glossed over but there was so much to keep track of the first time that i really picked up on it this time that they're like this brother sister team that picked up where their mom left off and they're like these info dealers on the black market like so cool so awesome talk about great new addition i was a little frustrated by oh the british the mi6 agent character i also couldn't i just could not quite figure out where she was at any given moment maybe after further viewers viewings i would catch up on that well i think by this being a direct sequel to rogue nation she's got a very complicated story in five you're never really sure where she falls allegiance wise but i think by the end you're like okay she's out to protect herself because it feels like everyone is trying to get her killed or like they're she's just expendable to everybody but it feels like she's always with ethan and in this movie she's not going to bring a harm to ethan but she's also like i need to kill lane to prove to mi6 or to whoever that i'm capable still i think her journey is clear i think that they're i would agree that if we saw a little bit more prep but i, I kind of like that she just shows up right she just yeah. like oh it's just another wrinkle like someone who is ostensibly an ally but you have to once again like make sure that like he has to hit with it he has to hit her with her with his car <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like he, she's about to kill not him but she's about to kill lane and he needs lane because of x y and z it gets into like that spy versus spy shit which is like the core of 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 espionage and spy thriller stuff and like even bond has sort of like strayed far from that kind of stuff where it's like oh there's like an there's another elite spy out there sort of like going you know tit for tat with him or or whatever here this is great because it's like they explore that and they have fun with it and it's so cool i don't know i just (laughs) she's a great character and there's not like i mean there's a lot of espionage in the sense of like wheeling and dealing and information and things but as far as like characters everybody's sort of like on a track and on a mission and she's like this loose can she's sort of like the wild card you know and like you never quite 
sure still like what's going on with her until until later in the movie and 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 i think it plays really well to have her out there just popping up like here and there like anywhere like she's almost got her own movie going on uh, (laughs) i'm not watching (laughs) we couldn't stop gushing about her in rogue nation because she was both of our favorite parts like she's so good in that i love here that she gets a couple more leg locks like her signature move from the last movie she's like leg locking dudes when they're when they're in the the white widow shootout and stuff like that like it's great to see that they still have her doing her thing i also want to go back to hattie shaw for a second to vanessa kirby to the white widow the previous times that i'd seen this movie i hadn't seen the earlier ones recently so i didn't have to remember the context but i remembered the brother sister dynamic importantly for her and dex and her and owen in fast and furious at one point she says family what can you do and i'm like Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, you you know, your brothers might be internationally wanted criminals, but, and you might be on the right side of the law, but family's family. It's so cool how she sort of carved out two roles a crime family syndicate sort of thing going like she's mm-hmm. she's co-leading like a crime family with one of her siblings in like two different it's movies wonderful i mean she's so good like she's beautiful but she's also a cool action star and she's a good actor like she everything it's just i can't i'm, I'm in love with yeah. vanessa kirby it's cool when like her and ilsa they're so visually they're they're opposites going up with the blonde and the brunette kind of thing they're both like equally lethal and dangerous like i love when he's trying to escort her out of the nightclub and she starts like killing people and just gives them this look like what did you expect like i can help myself like i never asked you to get me out of here so let's talk about the helicopter scene at the end the movie culminates when there's two atomic bombs and they're both going to detonate basically in the same village and just really eradicate irradiate this water supply that's going to starve a third of the world and so they have to have they have to disarm both bombs luther and julia are doing one benji and ilsa are doing another after they take out lane it all has to happen simultaneously because if you disarm one it triggers the other oh by the way you also need to get the detonator pin from the detonator which walker has around his neck and he just took off in a helicopter it all has to happen in the span of 15 minutes the movie it takes place over 22 minutes still not terrible i don't think because i think some of that's probably like simultaneous like you're watching one yeah. as opposed to watching another it's not as bad as the world's longest runway again I think if someone did a youtube supercut and overlaid all of the footage instead of cutting back and forth you know like lined it up and showed that you know while benji and ilsa were fighting lane in the cabin that's the same time luther and everything they were doing the bomb and you know ethan's on the chopper you could sort of do you know what i'm saying like you could watch totally. it all as it takes place at the same time yeah i'm not going to line that up but maybe it's on youtube <laughs> so walker takes off in a helicopter with a pilot in one and then there's another one that's carrying a payload of just i think it's like medical supplies right it's just like or maybe clothing or something it's not like it's nothing related to the nuclear bombs i don't think I don't or is it why. yeah wasn't that just their stuff they took stuff from that so like medicine and all that kind of shit i thought it was like that kind of like medical supplies maybe so they have a payload like it's this bite just gigantic weight that's suspended from i think they called like the long line i think is the name of the stunt it's just the cable that's that's hanging down from the helicopter and so cruz jumps and hangs on and then falls and catches himself on this payload oh my God. and then shimmy as he climbs back up the line like thinking about it just makes me so happy like i can't stop thinking about this movie <laughs> gets into the cockpit and he fights the two guys he throws them both out one shoots the other throws them both out he recovers the plane and then they're in like helicopter war and he's chasing after henry cavill and then henry cavill like gets behind him and he's shooting a gun at him and then the engine starts to like smoke because he gets hit with it the, and now all the, they try to drop the payload on him and it's crazy 
Cruz like goes way down and then comes up and they almost collide like on purpose. And then he finally does crash into him. Then the helicopters tumble and tumble and tumble. And then they have a fight on a mountain after they both fall down in the chassis of the helicopter. And this is all like a Mac. Like, it's all scenic and beautiful and shot with these IMAX cameras. And it's all incredible. In the end, Ethan finally, with the one second left, again, kind of a fake out. They cut to white. You see the sunrise, but it's like a lens flare. So it looks like the atom bomb went off. But then you see Ethan with the pen in his mouth, the detonator in his hand, and he saved the day once again. But like that entire scene, even when you know it's coming, is just like, it's amazing. Like, I can't believe how good all of it is. It very much parallels the motorcycle battle at the end of two, but it's just <laughs> a lot bigger in every way it's like its own little short film in that it's this action if you just take the chopper stuff like it tells like such a great story on its own you know like you could just watch that and be like that's a movie almost (laughs) like we're good to go (laughs) but yeah like everything just keeps escalating you know like from just the cliche think of like slipping and falling and grabbing yourself like that was kind of a funny thick guy looks out oh that was nothing Nope, it was Ethan, and he's still hanging on there. Yeah. To like Henry Cavill being like, he's insane. He's trying to ram us. It's like, yeah, well, like, what else can he do, right? Like, he's just like gonna run <laughs> his helicopter into that guy's helicopter and see what happens. And it's just like, hopefully they won't die, or like, and he'll get. I was a little skeptical there. I was like, you have to get the thing in his hand and <laughs> yeah. you're over a lake. But like, the ultimate to me was, uh, and this is what made it like truly impossible and so great when they pull it off is that they lose communication with Ethan. Mm -hmm. So they don't know when he's pulled the pin. So they have to wait till the last second. And that is is a great justification. Because, like, there's no other reason to ever do that. Like, (laughs) to wait to one (laughs) second to have it count down. I saw one movie once and it, like, stopped at eight. And I was like, oh, well, that's refreshing. To even be able to, you know, write that in there and make it work was just like, oh, this is like the cherry on top of like all of this stuff. So great. And it also, Zach, you mean, you you mentioned that it sort of mirrors the end of two. It also mirrors the beginning of two when he's like free solo climbing that mountain, right? It's like the same thing. It's like, oh, remember how we opened this movie? Like, this is just him, like, after he did this whole thing. It's like, he was, that was recreation. Now this is like, he was just like, you just saw what he went through the last two hours and 20 minutes. Now he's got to do this to get the detonator back. It's like, it's not by chance choice anymore it's like he has to do this to save the world that was like one of the most relaxed points for me i was like oh yeah he's got this he can climb (laughs) that's what i think i said like very early on and how like this sort of draws inspiration from every single one you know and people sort of like well you know throughout the years they might have overlooked two and possibly three and stuff but like not macquarie like he knows you know he knows this universe inside and out and he's like ethan can free solo so like he's just gonna do that now and like you know (laughs) if you've watched these movies you know that this isn't that this is like a skill in in his back pocket and you know so like it works it's so great are there any other elements of this movie any other sequences or characters or moments that we want to talk about about before I do some more trivia and then we answer some hard-hitting questions and then nominate this for probably far too many awards. <laughs> it's an action movie, so obviously it doesn't make any sense, but there are so many moments where I just like he benefits from luck that I do want to make him like a minor domino X-Men character. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's a great call. How is luck a cinematic power? How are you ever gonna <laughs> <laughs> basically his that and like a very high constitution score? He he can take <laughs> a lot of beatings. He has very high HP. Well, even Baldwin 
brings that up to Jeremy Renner in the beginning of the of the last movie where he's like, I don't know if like if he's just like lucky or what. It's like it doesn't seem like you guys know what you're doing. Like, you know, like how much of this actually comes down to luck? And Jeremy Renner's like, Well, you know, I can't answer that question at this time. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of that movie, you know, you see like something lucky happens and Alec Baldwin's like, Oh yes, yes, okay, yes. <laughs> he is lucky. Uh, I mentioned also how like there aren't that many sort of jokes running throughout this movie, but I died of laughter at the very end, the way this movie ends. It ends on a great joke, but it's sort of like an inside joke. But again, like if you're a fan of the franchise, like you're laughing along with these guys, but he's like in the hospital room and his ribs hurt. And he's like, how close did we get? And he's like, same as you, I think he says same as usual. Right? Yeah. Something like that. And, and Ilsa's like something like, well, what's that mean? And they also kind of like start laughing and he goes like, ow, my ribs or something. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. And I just thought that was like such a great beat to to go out on you know like you were saying joy this sort of like a darker series than most probably you know the, the higher stakes than usual you know lots of like point blank shooting like lots of john wick moments throughout these kind of movies and stuff so like to go out on that bit was was just like perfect i love that it's almost like the shawarma scene in the avengers it's like we just need, <laughs> we, need, we need a moment where they're just like they're okay like they're in pain but they're okay all right so let's see here some other trivia so Cruz did impressive stunt driving skills during filming. They did four takes of Cruz making the 180-degree turn while driving the BMW down a half dozen steps on the streets of Paris. Three of the four takes were perfect. In the last 10 degrees of the turn, he had to, quote, turn the steering wheel, step on the clutch, and put the car into first gear in the air. Stunt drivers train their entire lives to do something like that. He's been training his whole life. Mm -hmm. He has I mean, he's been running. I don't know if he's been driving in movies since 1981, but he's been running in movies since 1981. Probably since Days of thunder right like that's the way i was thinking about it like every time he he does a movie where his character has like a particular skill like tom cruise has just like acquired that skill now like he just does that like maybe once a week or something and he's operating thetan nine true yeah that's right he's been cleared so yeah the bathroom fight was meant to be shot in four days but because of its complexity it took over four weeks to shoot they actually didn't finish this movie until i think two weeks before the premiere so like they were i don't know if that was probably in the editing bay or whatever but like they were working on this basically until the 11th hour. The film had 3,000 setups, 13 helicopters, six pregnancies, five hiatuses, four weeks of aerial photography, three continents, two winters, and one broken ankle. And also, I think it was, who was it? Rebecca Ferguson. Ilsa was pregnant while filming this movie. No way. How, how long was principal photography? Four weeks of aerial photography. Right, right. But I mean, how long in general was it? It's a two winter, so probably over a year, maybe? I don't know. I, I mean, Holy crap. I just watched Hearts of Darkness and I thought that was a long one. Because I. <laughs> I mean, they weren't filming this movie, I don't think, for a full year, but they were working on it. Like, they took a year to plan stuff and train and stuff like that. But, like, yeah, it wasn't like an eyes wide shut situation where, like, take after take for like a year and a half or something. We're (laughs) just under two years from when this came out. I think it came out like July 18. He hasn't had a movie since. I know it's like on the wrong side of things, but like, sometimes he just films a movie where it just takes forever. Like, it took three years. How long did it take him to film Eyes Wide Shut, Mike? Was was it three years? Was that crazy? Movies take a long time, like, especially these blockbuster movies. And then he got injured and they, they, you yeah. know, they had to shut down for a while. And so, but he like, he's noticeably like when we did cage club, of course, like cage hasn't missed a movie, hasn't missed a year of release since he was started in 1981. This year he has had none so far. I mean, who knows with whether Corona will be, yeah. cut it off, but like, you know, we're so not used to, but used to seeing a guy come out with, one, two, three, up to nine movies in a year. And then Cruz is like, there's just years where we're not going to just because it's take, it takes me eight, 10, 12, 14 months to shoot one movie. But 
like it's worth the wait. So exactly yeah. because then it comes out and it's Fallout and it's like better than you know. Because he learned how to Halo game. jump. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. So some Henry Cavill trivia. He was offered the role publicly through Instagram by Christopher McQuarrie, which is interesting. Oh. Huh. He improvised the arm gun reload moment in the bathroom fight, like I mentioned before. So good. And he also, for the first time in a Mission Impossible movie, he he gets the fuck, which is something we talked about on Too Fast Too Forever. Who? Because in PG thirteen movies, you get one use of that word, and he says, and it's it's intense, like it's scary when he's talking to Solomon Lane, who's actually Benji. He's just like, "Why do you make this so fucking difficult?" And it's like, "Whoa, like yeah, like yeah, that you earned it. Like that was good." So I only know him really from Superman. Uh, I, I I seen I saw that other one he was in with Army Man Hammer. From Uncle? Yeah, I've seen that, but like, you know, it's nothing like this. Like this I feel is like I'm finally witness to Henry Cavill and what he is capable of. It's oh, he's like great. He's, got this, he's got this fucking look in his eye the whole movie where it's like even the first time when I didn't know he was a turncoat or whatever, I like like there's something off about him. There's something behind those eyes that I don't trust or anything. And he and he keeps that dead look like throughout the whole movie. It's it's amazing. Like he's so into this character. Uh, it starts when he doesn't thank Tom Cruise for saving his life right there. <laughs> I would say, Mike, I haven't seen it since theaters, but I remember really liking it. Revisit The Man from Uncle because it has our girl Alicia Vikander in it. I remember she oh. does an adorable dance at one point. Like they just dance, like <laughs> she puts on sunglasses, like Cruise esque sunglasses and dances. I was like, yeah, I like this movie. The Paris chase scenes involve stuntmen in 70 cars driving to avoid Tom Cruise, who is riding his motorcycle against traffic without a helmet at extremely high speeds. Apparently, also, uh-huh. while they were filming that chase, the safety rig on his motorcycle was malfunctioning, and there was a very small window in which the crew could get the shots they needed. So Cruz told Macquarie, quote, my friend, we have got to shoot. You just put the camera out there, and I will come around this corner as fast as this bike will possibly go. Jeez. Wow. Which I just they couldn't it. just shoot at half speed and no. speed it up? No, no because no. Like, you, would, you would know that it, you would know <laughs> it's not real. You could feel it. I felt it, too. And, I mean, like, we got a cool motorcycle chase in almost every one of these movies and stuff. But, like, this is – and we got him without his helmet in the last movie, too. And I thought that was crazy. Yeah. But he's just on, like, some mountain highway out in the middle of nowhere. Here against tra- – like, this is Matrix 2 – like eat your heart out. Kind yeah. Of stuff. <laughs> Unless a motorcycle has a windshield, it's impossible to ride faster than 25 or 30 miles per hour without eye protection as the impact of the wind on your eyes make them water excessively, making it difficult to see anything. So to get around this, they made full eye contact lenses, which were used for Holy the airplane shit. stunt in Rogue Nation. Because it's just what? like, yeah, it's what crazy. the hell, dude? It's like Couldn't just put a helmet on the guy. <laughs> well, dude, I just think like movies creating technology that's going to now go into the real world and like, <laughs> you know, used by stunt people and, and you know, yeah. adrenaline junkies and things. <laughs> and the last thing, and I can't believe that we haven't, because Mike, I feel like this is one of your favorite movie factoids we didn't talk about mustache gate it's oh shit mustache gate so zach do you know about this so they were shooting i think it was justice league or batman versus superman they're shooting one of those right justice Justice league League. you know superman's obviously clean shaven and in here so they had a stipulation in henry cavill's contract that he had to have a beard for this movie to the point where dc or legendary or someone offered three million dollars to be like just fix it in post let him shave and they said no and it's so (laughs) it's so funny he could have grown a beard back in a week this guy you know like it is just petty but it's hilarious and it was just like uh it was like a franchise war i mean it's like what you you know like what you don't think actually is going on you hear these things and you're like that's too crazy to be true but it's like (laughs) no 
Mission Impossible sabotaged the Justice League. <laughs> and like, it sounds I, like a BoJack Horseman subplot. I mean, I like those. I like a lot of the DCEU, but I think it's so funny that he's like, "Oh no, this is like for fun," and then this is the movie. Like, it's like yeah. this oh, is like a great this call. is this is me in my costume and my tights, and then this is like I'm I'm making something closer to art, even though they're both like blockbuster. Like, have your popcorn and just watch big things explode on screen right like it's you're doing this thing over here you can take that money and remove my mustache because i'm staying over here these are my real friends even though they're gonna yeah. kill me in this movie well i mean it goes back to what you're saying about him earlier where he's like oh well i had to put on like party muscles for superman but for this movie i had to like actually be mm-hmm. in shape and like mm-hmm. this is sort of more inclined to what i want as an actor and yeah like, but I mean, word is he sort of turned around on Superman recently, and there's rumblings by the time this is out, we might have even had the Snyder cut. So maybe there's some zombie Superman scenes with a beard. That would be cool. Like, <laughs> you should have just let him keep the beard when they brought him back to life. The very important question, which has been no every single time, and I don't think it's going to be a yes today. Do you think Tom Hanks could play <laughs> Ethan Hunt? In Mission oh, Impossible fought. And if no, because the answer is no, what role in this movie could he play? Oh, I want him to. I want to watch that movie. I would just <laughs> love it. I mean, he would rock as the director. Like, I I would love to have seen him do what Alec Baldwin gets to do in this movie. I think that's where we landed last time. I think that's mm-hmm. where we put him. I think so. I think you could make him the new director in the next movie. Sure. Like, that would be hilarious. He's younger. Maybe he could have been Benji. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Benji, so Simon Pegg got ripped for this movie even though he didn't need to like he got an impact. <laughs> this is all on IMDb like there's a way too long bit of trivia it's like someone who loves Simon Pegg wrote a very glowing thing about him getting in shape but he got in such good shape even though he didn't need to and Tom oh, Cruise yeah. and Henry Cavill just wouldn't stop teasing him they're like look at old Benji 8-pack over there just like <laughs> <laughs> I read something a while back that like and I mean I hate to kind of bring up gossip and stuff but like that Simon Pegg sort of like straightened out his life thanks to the Mission Impossible movies really? and Tom Cruise like he was drinking a lot and that kind of thing and like when he got the chance to work with Tom Cruise is like I can't fuck this up right and so even um, the world's end is sort of like uh, him exploring you know after the fact like what huh. he went through with alcohol and stuff like that so I That's mean just cool. just that in general like being around Tom Cruise <laughs> like sort of like makes you want to get your life together yeah <laughs> that's also I think what Henry Cavill was saying I was saying before about like the show muscles versus practical muscles is like oh I can't like he was having trouble with a stunt I think and I don't remember what stunt it was but he's like no I'm gonna get this or it was like it feels like everybody in these movies is like tom cruise is effectively leading by example right like look how much effort i'm putting into this who knows but like i don't think he's saying you need to rise to my level i think he just kind of inspires in people like if he's jumping out of a plane 106 times to get the shot and he's also doing five a day where it's not they're not filming it's like i need to be better right like i need to be on his level because <laughs> like i don't want to be the weak link in a tom cruise movie because like look what he's doing yeah it's great it's so good it just adds like such a genuine intensity to like the entire project (laughs) yeah does tom cruise run in this movie i don't (laughs) and then because we've said yes every other time thanks to harper effect on twitter could he be named lightning mcqueen yeah absolutely why not same ethan hunt same lightning mcqueen yes sir all right the tom cruise awards officially the cruisies tom cruise awards so best film yes of course yeah right Best role, we already have him as Ethan Hunt. Most badass role, we already have him as Ethan Hunt. Best fight, bathroom fight. Mm. Nice. Best vehicle chase race. Now, helicopter, helicopter, motorcycle. We talked about a while ago, 
and we did not do yet, splitting the stunts into Mission Impossible category and not Mission Impossible category. And I feel like oh, right. we might need to do that again here. So like <laughs> best vehicle chase race, like we have to say helicopter chase. Like we had helicopter chase in Mission Impossible 3, but like helicopter oh, chase. This one, yeah. This one's amazing. Yeah, this is just yeah. So we got the helicopter chase in Mission Impossible Fallout. And we do we wanna say like the getaway? The getaway in night and day when they like ride through the bullring is cool, but like this feels like the stakes could not be higher. Like that just seems kind of like fun, like kind of whimsical. Like I know that's the movie that it is, but like this is just like motorcycle getaway, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love it. We can always cut it down later. Best dance scene, no. Best outfit, wardrobe, no. Best sunglasses, no. <laughs> Best death, he does not die in this one, which is surprising. Best line, there's something that he says over <laughs> and over again that even Benji says in this movie that is maybe my favorite Tom Cruise quote. I'm working on it. Just like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know. Like, I need to. I'm working on it. Just like him, like, troubleshooting, like, okay, like, what does this button do? Okay, okay. And his payload, okay. Like, he's just in the cockpit of the helicopter while he has to get to the other helicopter in like 11 minutes and get the thing from around his neck. He's, I'm working on it. I got like, tr- just basically just trust me, but like, I'm working on it. I like that. Best freak out? I don't think so. Oh, he's cool, calm, and collected, baby. Yeah. Yeah, not this time around. Best sex scene? No. Hmm. Most athletic feat. So we've got the halo jump yeah. and we've yeah. also got like the helicopter dangle yep. sprint across London. That's best running scene is running across London. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Best or worst love story? I mean, He's got past flames here. He's got ostensibly possibly future flames and Ilsa. Like they're gonna get together, I think, at some point. Like, how can you not? The chemistry is palpable. But there's no there's no time for a love, Dr. Jones. Like he's he's saving the world again. <laughs> he cannot be distracted. Yeah. The one difference between him and Bond, probably the biggest difference. Now here's huh. the question, Mike. We had nominated both Ghost Proto we well, we nominated three Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation for best ensemble cast. We lose Jeremy Renner, I but know. we get Vanessa Kirby, we get Henry mm-hmm. Cavill. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's better, right? It's better. Yeah, we yeah. get uh, Angela Bassett, right? Isn't yep. she in here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Best non-cruise actor, male or female. We already have Philip Seymour Hoffman nominated. We already have Ving Rhames nominated. Do we put in here? I think we have to just at least, even if we don't keep it. Simon Pegg as Benji's got to be in here. I think. Oh, I like that. Do we nominate then Henry Cavill? Yes. Right. I do. I do. You heard it. And we have. Did we put in? We have Rebecca Ferguson as. Ilsa, yeah, okay, in, oh, yeah. in, in Rogue Nation. Any, are there any other actors that we should nominate? Because I think we're pretty well covered, but sounds, just, I don't, don't want to short-shirt anybody. Okay. I mean, White Widow was pretty good. I don't. I feel like that's ma- the next movie, maybe. I yeah. feel like she's not enough. I mean, plus, just she's still Hattie for me. I mean, she's not. Yeah. Mike's saying that this is Henry Cavill, like, also because I've seen Hobbs and Shaw five times now or whatever. I guess I've seen <laughs> this a bunch, too, but, like, she's amazing in that movie. She's really good here, but... I also really like the guy who plays Lane, who might be a good Tom Hanks character. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Oh, also, Mike, I do want to say that when we were talking about Rogue Nation and you were, you know, you liked Rogue Nation a little bit more than I did, but I still loved it, and I was like, I wonder, because I didn't, I hadn't seen Rogue Nation when before I saw Fallout. Like, I hadn't seen it in a while. And I was like, I think I'm going to like Fallout even more now knowing like what's going on and yeah i do Mm -hmm. i really do it elevates everything i love it all right so nominations i think we have 12 best film best fight best vehicle chase race two of them best line two most athletic feats best running scene best ensemble cast and a couple new best non-cruise actor male plus all the other ones that we had before like ving rames rebecca ferguson and like best actor or best role man oh man fallout no surprise come back in three weeks when we do the tom cruise films ranked you know what my number one is because 
Man, oh man. I, uh, <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Well, Zach, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you watched all of them. You binged all of them. Me it would have been weird. I think you would have enjoyed it without having seen all six, but I think it definitely paid off yeah. to have seen all six. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. This episode comes out in a couple weeks. Is there anything that you're doing online or anywhere that people could follow you if they want to find you online? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually doing a series of online photo tutorials for intermediate to advanced photographers called Quarantography, and then cool. it's on YouTube. Search Quarantography. And Mike, any other thoughts before we close the book on the final for now Tom Cruise movie? Oh my gosh, what a ride. What a right? rush. It's been pretty great. Great idea. Yes. I'm just, I wish that there were a couple more. Hey, I'm glad we got what we got. Uh, the average was insane yeah <laughs> so i feel like you know we really put in um a lot of time there with like the keanu and the charlize and stuff not that there weren't some bangers don't get me wrong but like this was just wall to wall loved it cage in the original run at least right like there were only i think three of like the 75 or whatever that we didn't like and there are some that we probably mm-hmm. talked ourselves into liking but really high success rate shia really really high success rate but this is like it's it's crazy it's crazy how good <laughs> this is like this is like 90 percent plus like at least really good. I can't imagine like another actor with this type of average, you know, it's just wild. And like, I, I didn't realize, like, I mean, I've been around like his whole career and I've seen him, you know, coming up. I, I still didn't realize when you watch him in a row like this, it's like, yeah. it's wild. Yeah. It's, it's overwhelming. <laughs> like the amount of good movies he's in. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know another, I mean, like, you know, you think about the biggest movie stars, like Brad Pitt's got a bunch of clunkers, like Leonardo DiCaprio, like Leo, maybe, maybe Leo, no. but he's kind of, he's a little bit more, I don't know. I feel like he is sometimes more into prestige things. I don't know. Maybe Leo, Leo maybe. might be the closest. I don't know. Might have to be the next uh, podcast. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but so today on Hanks for the Memories on Fridays are for fun. We have the original, the reason this clip exists. Get ready for an adventure. Was because we. <laughs> Your mic was looking forward to Angels and Demons. That was what you said that about. So that's why I wanted I know, to have it I here know. for that yes. one. So today, Angels and Demons, the second in the, the trilogy of Dan Brown, Robert Langdon, Tom Hanks movies. Next week on this very podcast, we're going to do the Tom Cruise, the Cruises award nomination. So every episode so far, we've been nominating the best and the worst. Mike, are, Mike and I are going to cull the list down. We're going to have either five or ten, or sometimes, depending on the category, maybe a little bit less, but usually five or ten nominees per category. Then the voting will be open next week. We'll do the awards in about a month or so. Next week, we have the Tom Cruise award nominations. And over in Hanks for the Memories, we've got a good one. We're going to go from Angels and Demons, which is, it could be good. I don't want to say it's not going to be good. It could be good. I haven't seen it. But I know next week, Toy Story 3 masterpiece so we've got that to look forward to so very excited about that but for all things all 42 cruise club episodes so far and all 27 shows on the network you go to cageclub.me facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on twitter and instagram email us run r-u-n at cageclub.me come back next week as we announce the award nominations for the cruisies check out angels and demons today check out too fast too forever today check out high school slumber party today i don't know what episodes are coming out but there's new episodes of each of those today because fridays are for fun look next week for voting voting will be open at probably at cageclub.me slash bracket we're doing march madness style brackets for ad nauseum right now like they're always going at cageclub.me slash bracket but also put the voting for the cruisies there too so just go there just click around and let your voice be heard i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi and that was zach design of quarantography and we'll see you next time right here on cruise club 